Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Matthew 22. We've got an exciting few weeks. Wednesday night we have a service. My pastor will be here. Pastors, just so you know, pastors need pastors. <laughs> uh, so he's coming to preach on Wednesday night. We're excited for that. And then the following Sunday, my brother's father-in-law will be here preaching. He also has a church in Cranford. My pastor has a church in uh, Woodland Park, New Jersey, formerly known as West Patterson. So anyway, uh, that's that. And anyway, we're going we're gonna, to, if you want to give, there's some ways that you can give. I'm going to give you guys a moment to do that as we settle in. And then we're going to get into today's word. And then we're going to go to uh, the very exciting wedding ceremony, which I'm just so honored that they would have the courage to do this um, and to stand up for Jesus and to make things right in their life. I really have a lot of respect for people who have the courage to stand up and do what's right. People are like, it's just papers, then sign it. It's not just papers. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. We are, we are living in a time where people want to redefine everything. And I'm going to tell you, I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to do this to you. We are not into redefining what God has already defined. Marriage is between one man and one woman. The goal is a lifetime. God hates divorce. He doesn't hate people who are divorced. He hates the pain that divorce brings into people's life because he loves people. So you may have said, I've been married four times. God still loves you. He's not mad at you. But God hurts to see you hurt because he's a father. So, so covenant is big to God. Do you know that the first institution in the scriptures is actually man and woman? It's not church. It's not civil government. It's not the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, uh, or the Communist Party, the, the first institution in Scripture is man and woman. That's the first government in the earth is man and woman. He gave them, not him, them dominion, which means they were ruling and reigning together and serving God's creation. And it wasn't until sin came in where there was separation. So that's, that's just a very basic thing. And uh, anyway, now I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about relationship speak because whether you know it or not, the relationships that we have in this life really tell a lot about us. And so Jesus said that people would know that we're his disciples based on our love for one another. I, I will give you an example and I will give someone a shout out. And I, There's someone here who they actually lost their grandfather. And in the process of them losing their grandfather, they're here early serving to make this day special. That's a reality. It's easy to make an excuse to say, well, I have some loss in my life. I have some pain in my life. I'm going to kind of tap out a little bit and kind of back off. Someone lost their grandfather, their only living grandparent, and they were at the forefront of spearheading today and making it special. This identifies us as Jesus' disciples by the love that we have one for another. 
That's one of the relationships that speaks about who we really are. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. The greatest expression of love is not even loving your enemy. It's actually loving your friends and laying down your life for your friends because that's what Jesus did. People will know the Father has loved and sent Jesus because the church is one. So when we are unified, in other words, not we all agree on everything, not we all vote the same, but we're here today to honor Jesus, to love Jesus, to celebrate Jesus, to celebrate Kevin and Haiti's commitment, and to honor that. When we are in oneness, when we are together, when we are in the same mind, in the same space, for the same reason, that tells the world around us that the Father loved and sent Jesus. So how we interact with people and with one another communicates something to the world around us. I have a few more for you and then I'm going to move on. This is like, uh, you know, a relationship message here a little bit because in families, there's a lot of brokenness. I came back to Jesus because my family was broken and I helped break it. And that's the truth. Now, this is another relationship that speaks. People will know Jesus' love and care for his church through the way a husband treats his wife and through the way the wife submits to and respects her husband. So the marriage relationship is the only relationship that testifies to Christ and his church. So when I say that the relationships that we have speak, they actually do speak. There's another relationship that I uh, left out of this one, but you should hear this one too. How we treat the poor shows the world around us how we really feel about Jesus. The poor in our community know how we take Jesus, if we take Jesus seriously or we don't take Jesus seriously. The poor know. Because Jesus said, whatever you have done to the least of these, you've done to me. So the relationships that we have speak. So they speak louder than our words. It's easy to say, I love you, you're great, you're amazing, you look nice today, God bless you. It's difficult to show up at 7.30 in the morning when your grandfather died. And you have your own things going on in your own life, but you're showing up for someone else. See, that's the kind of love that, that says, tells the world that we belong to Jesus and we are going to interact like Jesus. And in case you haven't known, that's what we're about here. So anyway, Matthew 22, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move through this as best that I can, uh, or I'm going to have to answer to Steph. Uh, so here we go. Matthew 22, verse 1, And Jesus answered and spoke to them, again by parables, said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing. You see that? And they were not willing. If God is willing, if God is willing. And they were not willing. Who's not willing? They were not willing. God was willing. People think God always gets his will. Like he's the almighty manipulator and always gets what he wants. God doesn't always get what he wants. God had a marriage for his son, invited people, and they were not willing. Keep that in mind. They were not willing to come. And he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my, my dinner. My oxen, my fatted calf are killed. All things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, which means uh, they made excuses. 
they made light of it and went their ways. Say their ways. Their ways. One to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out to the highways, gathering together all whom they found, both bad and good. Everyone's invited. Both bad and good. And the wedding house was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man who did not have a wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, for there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen." So, in the beginning of this parable, you see the operating system of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God operates based on the love the Father has for His Son. So the kingdom of God does not operate, oh, Adam has sinned, oh, these people have sinned, oh my God, what are we going to do? God is not motivated and He's not living in reaction to sin. God is motivated by love and God is motivated, the whole kingdom runs based on the affection the father has for his son. So the father wants a bride for his son. So this is important. So, so the father wants a bride for his son. So the father wants his son to be married. The father wants a family and he wants the son to have a bride and he wants the Holy Spirit to have a household. This is important. This is God. Father, son, and Holy Spirit. So he sends out his servants. The word servants in the beginning of this text is, is the word uh, doulos, which is like slave, like, like the guys that ate the, the crumbs from the master's table. These were the douloses were the people that washed people's feet. So when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, you guys remember that? Those were douloses. Those were the bottom, 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 bottom of the social order. So the people who are sent out to invite people to this wedding are douloses, are slaves. And Jesus says, if you want to be the chief, if you want to be the top dog, if you want to be the biggest, be a doulos. In other words, humble yourself. If you want to be the greatest, uh, become the lowest. And so that's what Jesus said. Now, at the end of the parable, you see that Jesus invited that everyone is invited, but only those with wedding garments can stay. What does that mean? It means that the kingdom of God is radically inclusive. Everyone is invited. Good, bad, ugly, pretty, rich, poor. Uh, you, none of that disqualifies you. You're invited. The gospel is good news to everyone who will receive the invitation. It's good news. So if you acknowledge that you need Jesus, today is really, this is good news. And the stipulations are, you have to acknowledge that you need him and acknowledge that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you can acknowledge that and humble yourself, you can receive. Because the wedding garment is for only for those who actually believe that they need it. 
So the, the gospel is radically inclusive in that everyone is invited, but it is completely exclusive in the sense that only those with wedding garments can stay. Only those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus can stay. Now, the servants that we're told to throw people out, <laughs> it's a rough job. You know what that word is? Diakonos, deacon. So the deacons don't just serve people, Deacons also have to throw people out. This is similar to the Old Testament when the Levites executed judgment for the people not honoring God. You can't serve God and serve the people. The only way you can serve God is by serving God. You, you cannot live to please people and think that you're going to serve God. You can't. You, you, if you're going to serve God, you've got to agree with God. Not the people. Because God says, tell the deacons to throw them out. Oh, Jesus, I can't do that. Oh, Jesus, what would they think of me? Yeah, throw them out. Only those with wedding garments can stay. The gospel is completely inclusive, yet totally exclusive. There's a great tension there in the reality of God is loving, God is merciful, but the kingdom of God is on God's terms, not on ours. This is not Burger King. It's not have it your way. This is Jesus' way is the only way. There is no other way. So God is motivated by love and judgment is only for those who reject his son. Now in this text, you're seeing the judgment of individuals and also the judgment of Israel as a nation. This is what happened in 70 AD. It's really incredible that he calls those people who go and burn the city his servants. Uh, he, he did that in the Old Covenant uh, with Babylon. He called Babylon his servants for executing judgment on Israel because it was part of God's covenant faithfulness to bring them into exile if they would go into idolatry because idolatry will always bring you into captivity. And part of God's covenant faithfulness is there must be judgment. That's why if you're, if you're a father and there's no discipline in your house, you're being unfaithful to your role. There must be discipline or you're not faithful. Everything, we want to be sensitive and friendly and all that stuff, that you, you'll produce weak people, and that is not good. So anyway, God is, God's will is mercy, but it's people who chose judgment. God said, come to the wedding. There is a feast. Can I just say one thing? The kingdom of God is an invitation not to a fast, but to a feast. It, it's, it's incredible. It, I... I don't know if you've ever encountered hungry people, like really hungry people. We, we encounter hungry people all over the world. I have a friend that they, he watched them kill his father for a brick of sugar in front of his own eyes. They butchered his father in Angola, Africa for a brick of sugar. A brick of sugar. He's the happiest person you'd ever meet in your life. You would never know what he's been through because Jesus healed him. And when Jesus heals someone, he removes the stain. And all you see is joy. You don't see a victim who watched his father die in front of him. That's how deep when Jesus comes in and brings healing, it's like that. It's from the inside. It's intrinsic. It's not from the outside. It's not, oh, behave and, and don't curse at church on Sunday. No, no, no. It's a real transformation. It's a transformation of the inward man. So everyone is invited, but excuse makers don't come. 
I'm going to read you another passage. Luke. Same situation. A great supper. Now Jesus is at a dinner with the Pharisees when he gives this parable. This is, this is, this is really important because excuses don't excuse you. You're going to see three people who were preoccupied by other things and could not receive the invitation of the Lord. Watch this. Verse 16 of Luke 14. Then he said, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. This is Jesus talking. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. They made light of the invitation. The first said, I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So, she doesn't even know how to cook. They just got married. What, what do you mean you're not going to go to a feast? Watch this. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you've commanded, and there's still, and there's still room. Then the master said to the servant, Go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those who are invited shall taste my supper." This is a very shocking passage simply because everyone who's invited didn't come. So, so like the whole guest list changed on the day of the wedding. It's like, we thought you were coming, you're not coming. We thought you were, you're not coming, we thought you were coming. Oh, we didn't think you were coming, you came. That's, it's like, that's beautiful. You know, that, sometimes that happens with weddings. But here, these people who have their monetary needs met are unable to discern the invitation of the Lord. And they're making delusional excuses, and excuses don't excuse you. They're not like, oh, I'm going to like a gay rave, I can't come. Oh, I'm, I'm going to the Playboy Mansion, can't come. No, real life. It's not like they're going to, you know, you know Girls Gone Wild, or, or, you know, Miami Beach for the weekend on spring break. It, it's all... It's all good, nice stuff that robs them from what God has. I'm talking to you real. I'm sorry about that. But this is real life here. One just bought, he bought a field. Listen, excuse me, pal. There's no lights in first century Palestine. And you don't buy a field and then examine it later. Also, oxen do not work at nighttime at supper time. These are delusional excuses as to why they can't show up. Third excuse, I just got married. Brother, she can't cook yet. She's learning. You're giving the woman a break. She gets a day off. Go to the feast. They didn't discern it. This is really actually very sobering because everyone who had their needs met didn't discern their real need. And all of the people that had need were able to discern what they really needed.
That's why the scripture says the poor are rich in faith. You're poor if you can't discern your need. You're rich if you can discern your need. If you sit here and you think, this, I don't need Jesus, I don't need this, I don't need that. I just came here to go here and come and celebrate and leave. No, 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 let me tell you something. I'm here to notify you today. No, you actually do need Jesus. Actually, you really do need Jesus. And I, and I say that in, in the most gracious and honest way with you. If you go to a doctor, a doctor is bound by the law to tell you the condition that you have. If a doctor, if you go to a doctor and the doctor withholds information from you, he can be sued and he can lose his practice and lose his livelihood and lose everything because he's being dishonest with you. You're going to come here today. I'm going to be honest with you. You need Jesus. Without Jesus, folks perish. Period. And I don't say that to be a jerk. I say that to be honest. I'm not going to lie to you today and stand in front of you, smile at you, and act like you don't have a terminal disease. You have a terminal disease. I had a terminal disease. The only way out of that disease is Jesus. The terminal disease is called sin. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. When we could do nothing for him, when we could offer nothing to him, he died for us. Which is why this is all good news. You can smile for a second because he chose to love you and love me when we were not lovable. To me, that's good news. I don't know. Maybe, maybe to you, you feel it's not good news. But to me, I'm like, man, that's really good news. And some of us, can I be honest with you? Some of us are not very lovable. Have you ever noticed that like some people like are not, like Paul says, we know no one after the flesh. Like you don't want to know my flesh. My flesh is not a friendly flesh. And I, I, God has chose to love us. And to me, I, I just want to share, if I could just share one thing, that's good news to me. Because you know what? It's not easy to love people that don't want to be loved. It's not easy to care for people that don't care about themselves. It's not easy to treat someone who thinks they're okay. <laughs> so anyway, this is the reality uh, that we live in. Don't worry, we're, we're almost, we're, we're, we're starting to get, we're almost there. Bear with me. Bear with me. Now, I got one more passage. And then we're going to get up out of here soon. I know some of you are like, amen. <laughs> but you know what? This is good news. I got more good news for you. Don't worry. Um, we're going we're gonna to go uh, Ephesians 5. We're only about 20 minutes into this. So just... <laughs> so, so don't worry. Okay. This is Paul. Paul is writing to the Ephesians. The Ephesians are, are Christians in a city called Ephesus. Ephesus is modern-day Turkey. So this is just to get you kind of like, who's he talking to? Okay. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness. <laughs> That's like, 
he, <laughs> Paul is a very honest guy. Paul is not saying like, oh, you know, you were in darkness, you know, when you did sin. He's like, no, no, no. You were darkness. One of the words for that in Greek, the word is skotos, which means you were shadiness. <laughs> Shady. So he's like, you were shady, you know. You were once darkness, but now, this is good news again, you are the light in the Lord. So you were darkness, but you are light in the Lord. That, to me, there's more good news. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things are exposed and made manifest by the light. So that's one of the things the light does, is the light exposes things that are hidden. This is why sometimes people don't like to be around real Christians and they don't want to sit down at a table with a real Christian because light exposes darkness. So we're not like shining at the darkness, but we're shining in the darkness to expose darkness because darkness is dangerous. You, you go to, I can take you to the poorest communities in the world, and the poorest communities in the world have one thing in common, many things, but one of the things they have in common is they have no city lights, no street lights, and no electricity, which means it's easier for crime to happen, which means women and children are more vulnerable because of darkness. Amen. This is reality. This is the world we live in. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk uh, circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So if you don't know what the will of the Lord is, Scripture says you're unwise. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in complaining, grumbling, and gossip. Oh, it doesn't say that. I'm sorry. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it comes, submitting to one another in the fear of God. I don't, I'm not accountable to nobody. I don't answer to nobody. Oh, okay. That's not Christian. I don't know where you got that from, but that's not Christian. I don't answer to no one. I don't, don't tell me anything. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know where that leads to? Death and hell. No accountability? That leads to CNN. Or Fox News. You'd be on the news. <laughs> I don't answer to no one. Okay. You're going to answer to everyone then. People, that's what people I don't answer to nobody. You'll answer to everyone. Okay, here it comes. Wives. Here it is. Haiti's about to be a wife. Here it comes. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. We're getting, we're almost there. You guys are, you guys are, don't worry. They're going to feed you. You're going to be happy in a few minutes. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh, for 
the husband is the head of the wife, also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, which is the conjunction, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Now, so what, what he's saying here is that the wife should submit to and respect the husband. When people hear this, they go crazy. But, but actually, the real weight is not even on the wife. Wait till he, you hear what he says to the man. The real weight of this is on the man. Watch what he says to the man. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That's <laughs> like, so submit, respect, like that's easy compared to give your life for her the way Jesus did for the church. Do you know how that ended up? That did not end up pretty. <laughs> he was naked on a tree, whipped, beaten, ripped apart, beard ripped out of his face. The Bible says that his visage was marred more than any man, which means he was beaten, New Jersey translation, beyond recognition. Beyond, so like, so people hear this and go, submit. The real weight of that is really on the man. So if you would live like that and you would love like that, explain to me why there would be contention in your home. There's no contention in my home. Zero. Zero contention. I just want to say you, maybe you were like, oh my God, that's crazy. You can live in a house that's full of peace. Your marriage can have peace. Your marriage can get better with time. Married folks, sex can get better as you get older. I'm saying the truth. People don't believe that. I'm just telling you the reality here. That was free. That was free. Thank you. Sorbel got that. They're, these are receivers here. They're receiving. Some of you are not receiving, but that's all right. Husbands, love your wives. It says Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So he has a responsibility not only to give himself for her, but to wash her with the word, to speak the word of God over her life. The words that you speak over people's lives determine the trajectory of their lives. Some of you have only spoke death over your children and death over yourself, and that's what you've gotten, death. But you have to speak life over her. It's your job, Kevin, to speak life over her, to nurture the gifts in her, and see that those gifts come forth. And that'll benefit you. <laughs> so anyway, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that should be holy and without blemish. Speaking of washed and clean garments, which would go back to the feast invitation and the wedding invitation. There's a connection here. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. People that do not love themselves have a hard time loving their wife. People who don't know how to get their wives gifts are indecisive people themselves. They don't know what they want, so they, it's hard for them to get gifts for people. You can only love people the way you love yourself. If I don't value me, I can't value you. 
If I'm cheap, I, I don't like cheap folks. I love you, but cheap folks, I, I cannot give you anything cheap because I don't have anything cheap. <laughs> Isn't that good? So if I bless you with something that's mine, it's not cheap. I want to encourage you with that. So the way you treat your wife or your husband is actually a reflection of how you feel about yourself, whether you know it or not. Okay. I'm trying to help you today. I love you. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does to the church. So what you have to do to yourself is you have to nourish and cherish yourself. You have to take care of yourself so that you can take care of your spouse. This is important. It, one of the things that I, I really appreciate about my wife is she knows that if I'm not good, the house is not good. That's like not good. If I'm tired or hungry or cranky, it's not good. If I'm good, everything's better if I'm good. So what she does is she works toward helping me be good, and I work toward helping her be good so that the household is good because the children live in the ecosystem of the love that flows between the husband and the wife. See, that creates the environment that the children are growing in, and that environment is either contaminated or it's, it's like a greenhouse where things can grow and flourish. So anyway, we are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This is a great, listen to this, mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So the primary need of a man is respect. The primary need of a woman is love. The secondary need of a man is love. The secondary need of a woman is respect. As long as love and respect are flowing, communication attraction, and all of those things that are supposed to be there are there. When that breaks down, everything breaks down. And someone who is beautiful can become ugly because of a breakdown in communication. Or if you're not giving the respect that he wants or she's not receiving the love that she needs, there's a breakdown and then the environment is contaminated and guess who pays? The children. The children always either pay for our sins or are benefited by our integrity. So the decision that you're making today is a generational decision. It's a decision that is informing your children about their future. When you choose to get married today, you're choosing to say that your children have a secure future and you're going to walk out your commitment. And if you want to have a good marriage, you have to acknowledge when you're wrong and be quick to do something about it. Don't just acknowledge it and do nothing about it. But we need to be kind-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave us. That's, you want to have a good marriage? Forgiving. Quick to say you're wrong. Quick to say you were right. I should have listened to you. That'll get you extra points. <laughs> if you say I was wrong, that's one point. If you say I should have listened to you, that was two points. 
So, that was all free. Let me give you one more, because the children should hear this. I don't know if they're here. He's not listening. But, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. This is the first commandment with promise. God commands us to honor our father and mother. Sometimes maybe they're not very honorable. That doesn't, that doesn't change how we should treat them. Honor your father and mother. This releases promise. What's the promise? Quality and quantity of life. So how I treat them, watch this, how you treat your parents determines the quality of your life. And how your children treat you determine the quality of their life. So our life, life is made up of relationships. So the relationships that we have determine the trajectory of our lives. Do you know some people in life are stuck, not because they're bad people, because they don't have the right relationships to move them forward. All their relationships are peer relationships and no one has the power to bring them forward. They have no one that can bring them forward because they haven't learned honor. Honor deals with the quantity and the quality of your life. The more you learn to honor people, the more you have people who are vested in your success. Because I don't want nobody connected to me that wants to be a loser. I'll love you, I'll minister to you, I'll give you groceries, I'll wash your feet, I'll pray for you. But if you want to be connected, you, you better want to move forward or you're not moving with me. And I mean that too, I'm not playing. So anyway... Well, here we go. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.